Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. This is Inspiring Women, and I am Lori McGraw. Today, I'm speaking with Sarah Vasey. Now, Sarah is the Executive Vice President and Chief Strategy and Digital Officer for Providence. That is a significantly large health system, which you know serves the needs of over 5 million unique patients. Sarah has been on a strong and steady and fast rise to prominence in this space of digital health. She's no stranger there. She's very active in the broader healthcare industry. She's on the board of directors for NCOA. She's a first Cressy Ventures Collective um, inaugural class uh, graduate. She also is a board observer for DexCare um, and a Forbes Business Council member. Sarah's well-recognized um, Transforming Future of Healthcare, the 30 under 40. She is uh, tomorrow's leader or a Becker's rising star or a women to watch, a Becker's women to watch for a couple different years. Sarah, thank you so much for being on Inspiring Women. Thank you so much, Lori. I'm looking forward to our conversation. All right, let's um, get started. This is going to be a fun conversation. I want to talk about digital health, and certainly you are an expert um, in this space and sort of setting the course for all of us as we learn and adopt, and there has been so much to talk about um, there, but also just as a young executive who has been rising through the ranks so swiftly, I just think that you know how that has happened for you and how you think about it is going to be really helpful to listeners. We always start inspiring women with what are you doing right now? So as the chief, the executive, um, what does your day-to-day look like, Sarah? Well, you know, this has been a really interesting um, and challenging several years, but especially 2022 has been a challenging year for our health system. So we have spent a lot of time uh, focused on Uh, how we are going to transform our system, recover and renew through this really difficult time uh, that we've had in the last year. So thinking very differently, I spent a lot of time actually really getting deep on the both internal and macro kind of uh, external problems that exist and all the challenges that exist in healthcare and and then charting a path for very specifically, how are we going to do something that that is not the way that health systems have always done things in the past and have resulted in kind of where we're at today. So uh, transformational strategies around how we're going to respond to disruptors, both like big tech and big retail or big customer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, A lot of work around um, leveraging digital, of course, to drive growth for the system, support patient acquisition, retention, and uh, LTV capture. So just a lot of Um, I would say work that is not uh, typical in terms of how health systems have done things in the past. And it's 
done through, you know, a lot of these types of conversations to help shape um, the industry, as well as a lot of, uh, you know, thoughtful analysis and work with our own system to get folks moving in that direction. Yeah. And I think strategy today, I don't know if the um, old playbooks or playbooks of old still work um, during these particular unprecedented and disruptive times. I was just at a healthcare collaborative with leaders across associations in the area of Chicago. And, you know, one comment that resonated was just that, you know, healthcare has always been disruptive, but it does seem that this is um, quite extraordinary, um, you know, with the pandemic to um, bolster and accelerate digital health. But before we even sort of dive a bit more into that, Sarah, just the career bio sketch, sort of how, how did you get here? I mean, you have degrees in physics and philosophy. You went on to do, get your master's in public health. You've done health policy, and now you're leading this large health system. So sort of how did that all happen in such a short period of time? So, you know, as you noted, I, I've been in healthcare um, or adjacent to healthcare for my entire career. I have a, just a lot of like passion for uh, healthcare and to, you know, do the right thing in the space. Um, I, I believe that healthcare is a human right and, and that we need to build a system that actually values use it in such a way. So um, I, you know, I've been doing that for, uh, for my entire career. It's kind of, it may be kind of a funny thing to say, given that folks like to be um, planners in terms of their careers. I, I never planned it this way. And frankly, I got pretty lucky. Um, I found my way to Providence somewhat serendipitously when I was actually um, at, uh, at my old, uh, my old firm where I was uh, doing a lot of strategic planning and, and strategy work for large integrated delivery networks and happened to come across Providence as a prototypical example of a system doing some really interesting things in innovation and happened to get hooked up with the former chief digital officer who was my, who ended up being, you know, really my mentor and my sponsor in terms of supporting me in my career and my the path that I had at Providence. He gave me a lot of responsibility and access to high profile projects, a lot of exposure um, and uh, to our, you know, senior executives, our CEO and others across the organization and just, you know, kind of gave me that um put me in positions where I had to be closer to the forefront of risk associated with being a senior leader. And that just um, really accelerated things for me. Um, I, I was so fortunate to have that experience and it wasn't something that I could have planned for, um, but it just really spoke to the power of not just having a mentor, but a sponsor that really actively promoted my career and, and the things I needed to do to advance. So that was one, uh, you know, a, Coming to Providence was a big inflection point. Well, Sarah, you know, when I, I speak to so many successful, accomplished um, women, and oftentimes they do point to that fortunate, lucky break. And, you know, what my observation is generally that it's not so much luck, it's how the, how you respond to the opportunity. So did you, when, when you had that um, opportunity to sort of be close to executive risk-taking decision-making, did you recognize it as an opportunity? Opportunity or just go with the flow? How did that, like, what happened in that moment? 
Oh, yes. I um, So I did recognize it partly because, um, again, I was so fortunate when I when I started the job that the it was actually positioned that way. My former um, my former boss who hired me into this position had come from Amazon and at Amazon, they had a concept called the technical advisor. Mm-hmm. And for folks who may not know, the technical advisor is like a chief of staff, um, but they have, you know, um, very close connection to the person whom they're supporting. And uh, for instance, Andy Jassy, who is the current CEO of Amazon, was uh, Jeff Bezos' initial um, technical advisor. So it really is like a formal role that they have there supporting the career of folks that they um, believe are high potentials. And that was how I was brought on. Um, And so you know, it was positioned to me that way. And I got some really great advice from um, somebody I had worked with at my old firm who had said, don't wait, don't get complacent, don't let yourself just settle in for a long period of time, just jump in with both feet. And I did. And um, it really did provide me with that, like, you know, the opportunity to really grab onto. Well, I see that um, type of sort of drive and, you know, I'll just call it hustle, you know, in so many people, I personally just get pretty annoyed with the, um, you know, the discussion about quiet quitting um, and the like, because I'm just not seeing it and people who are um, pursuing. So it's great to hear that that opportunity, you did recognize it and how you went after it. Maybe we could talk a bit about your role, chief strategy and digital officer. Um, I checked the top health systems across the country. I didn't see many people with a title like this in the executive suite. So what does that job entail? And and should every health system of scale um, have one of these positions? Um, well, so, you know, what the job entails, what I have uh, responsibility for is uh, our corporate strategy. And I work very closely with our um, more sort of geographically oriented uh, market-based folks on their strategies, um, but they have principal responsibility for them. So I work at the corporate level, really thinking about the overall direction of the organization, working on portfolio management alongside our finance group and our CFO um, and uh, the other you know, leaders across the organization um, and, and thinking about, you know, again, like the future composition of the organization and the big the big inflection points as an enterprise that we're going to have to take. And in order to kind of continue to sustain our mission for the next 170 years. I also, um, in my digital role, have responsibility for the sort of the business end of things and then in, in really the consumer facing front end. And What I mean by that is, um, you know, how we think about customer uh, acquisition, retention, and LTV capture through digital. And um, and so I I own uh, or I have oversight over marketing, um, our digital experience team, which is, you know, everything from like our digital properties and website, like websites, um, app, things like that, our uh, search um, and e-commerce activities. And then we also have a product incubator that builds technology where we identify an opportunity in the market. And um, and then we build new companies, often enterprise SaaS companies that we um, spin out of Providence and take to market. And um, 
And we do that because, you know, there is an unmet need in the market that we think given our sort of unique sandbox um, and the people that we've recruited within Providence who are sort of bringing together healthcare and um, and technology that we can do those things sort of in a differentiated way as, as um, with respect to uh, development as opposed to like if we were on the outside. So, so those are the types of things that, um, you know, we're working on, we're, I'm responsible for every day. And I think with respect to, um, whether other health systems should have that role. You know, I definitely think it's more and more important for health systems to have that um, that person that's looking out to say, like, you know, how we've delivered business in the past isn't necessarily going to fuel the resource engine of the future and, and how do we need to transform that? So I do think that's essential. And then digital, I actually think it's almost a transitional kind of role because we are not a digitally native industry, but at some point, um, you, you know, we won't be talking about things in digital versus physical. It's all going to be kind of more cohesive and and the lines will be blurred in many cases. So it'll just be sort of the way that things are done. And But I think for now, it is important for folks to sort of fully embrace that digital is important and having a leader that's at a senior enough level to influence that is, is important as well. Well, today, it all seems so obvious um, in terms of the need and the requirements, but I think pre-pandemic, it probably was less so. I mean, we've been working on telehealth and virtual mm -hmm. care, knowing it's knowing it is um, um, something that's needed, but it took the pandemic to get to the level of adoption. And Sarah, you know that I grew up in the world of EHRs, which were, mm -hmm. you know, important, important, important until there was the High Tech Act that really facilitated the um, adoption. And so from a level of a health system, did you, I'm, I'm just uh, making the huge assumption, not a big leap that um, it was a busy time during the pandemic, but did you feel more prepared um, than your counterparts? And then certainly the large moves that are happening in healthcare, you mentioned retail competition. We know CVS and Amazon are making big moves um, in this space. Do you feel prepared for this or is it all a work in progress? It's definitely a work in progress, though we were, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were very fortunate that we had um, a platform in place that we had actually developed ourselves and then subsequently turned into the company Dexcare that we spun out. But Dexcare enabled us to, for instance, scale um, uh, on-demand uh, virtual care orders of magnitude almost near like overnight um, because we had to shut down facilities. We were... Um, and uh, and we had you know so much there was so much uncertainty and fear about COVID and the symptoms and whether you should or shouldn't be seen and so um, virtual care became so important on demand care became so important we launched a chat bot that we had a sort of the technology chassis in place for but it um, it took off uh, during the beginning of the pandemic as well and now we're hearing or we're essentially getting millions of utterances um, and conversations with our uh, utterances, our conversations with our consumers, you know, monthly. And so, um, so it's really taken off and it's been to your point, um, Lori, it's really been material as it relates to just driving adoption and getting folks to be familiar with, um, with the available technologies at their disposal. So, um, that said, you know, there's still a really long way to go. Uh, there was this period of 
uh, a lot of engagement with digital tools and now it's been tapered off. And part of that is because of experience. Part of that is because of the regulatory environment. Part of that is because of how we pay for things. And so we still have a, a long road ahead of us. And many of the challenges are not simply technology oriented. They're actually people, process, payment types of things that um, that we still need to work through. I've also heard you, Sarah, talk about, you know, with as we wade through all of this, whether it's a enormous amounts of investment in digital health and all kinds of new solutions um, that are out there, you are a savvy leader in this space. And you've talked about just appropriation, sort of, you know, every different, uh, many different solutions, sort of taking credit for whether it's, you know, sort of, you know, dollar improvements or patient engagement. Um, types of improvement. So I guess, um, you know, just based on your lay of the land, what, what are you most excited about? What are you most skeptical of today? Uh, I think uh, they're going to be two sides of the same that same coin. It's the whole, how are we generating value with digital? I'm both skeptical and excited about it. I think the whole industry is becoming a little bit more maybe sophisticated is the right way to describe it, just around how we think about value. It's not just about um, everyone taking credit for the same thing, like reduced readmissions or uh, elimination of ED bounce back or re reduction of ED bounce back or whatever. Like it's very, it's much more sophisticated in terms of, you know, what actual value can be attributed to a specific solution. And so we are, um, I'm really excited about that. I'm skeptical about what we've seen in the past. And frankly, most solutions don't have much to show for what they've done um, for a number of different reasons. But I am, um, I'm really looking forward to that because, you know, most industries um, in the past that have made a digital transformation when they've layered on technology that has actually reduced their costs and um, in healthcare, car costs keep going up partly because of this <clears throat> value attribution problem, partly because we just deploy, you know, disconnected point solutions, partly because we don't, again, we don't pay for things the right way and we don't really have uh, sort of rational economics associated with care. And so, um, and frankly, we have a massive economic kind of distribution problem in terms of how value and profits and everything are distributed across the different sectors in healthcare. And so, um, I'm excited about as we get technology in place that allows us to be more sophisticated around value attribution for some of the, you know, rationality to come into play and for us to, to really work on like um, solutions that are meaningfully improving the patient experience and, um, and driving affordability. Well, it's great to hear your enthusiasm. I mean, it could just be exhaustion, you know, from the past two years. <laughs> I have to, you know, just imagine it's been like nonstop um, since since the pandemic and um, ever since, you know, with the new sort of entrance here. I want to turn the conversation, Sarah, quickly to a bit more about you. I mentioned, um, you know, that you have this uh, side hustle that I've learned about, this uh, crap sauce called Yeah Boy. I bought some. I'm looking forward to trying it out. And I just find it kind of remarkable that somebody as accomplished like you has a side hustle. So tell us a little bit about, about Yeah Boy. Uh, awesome. Well, you know, Yeah Boy is our small family, family run hot sauce company. It, it kind of emerged out of a family vacation that we took. We tried some food, um, habanero hot sauce that uh, we really enjoyed in the Yucatan and couldn't find it anywhere else. And then um, tried to recreate it 
tried to find a recipe, tried to buy, tried all sorts of things and couldn't, and ultimately just ended up um, making our own. And we just, we love it. We put it on everything. And then we said, hey, if we love it this much, maybe other people will love it. So it kind of took on this like organic thing. And it's always such a nice um, thing to do to explore uh, different aspects of, you know, life and your own like get different parts of your brain working. I, you know, I worked at a farmer's market for two years and just really enjoyed getting to meet, for instance, like the maker community and the, um, it's just a lot of fun and um, it, it sustains other parts of you, you know, just your, your whole person, your whole being just to cook and to enjoy something and to run your own business. So it's a lot of fun. Well, I, I just uh, applaud it. I mean, you know, people are looking for things to keep them fresh and keep their brains in um, just connections with other people occupied and that you have this as an outlet again with the level of executive responsibilities um, that you have is just, it's impressive. It's and, and inspiring. Okay. Last couple of questions here, Sarah. Um, I wanted to introduce a new section here to inspiring women. I have some um, oddball questions perhaps from listeners um, that one they who have asked me to start asking guests these things. So here we go. Quick, quick questions. When you work from home, what do you wear for pants? Or do you wear pants? Or do you wear pajamas? I always wear sweatpants. Sweatpants. Okay. When you got your first promotion, did you ask for it? And if so, how did that go? I did ask for it. I, I'll use the Providence example. I went and I identified sort of through that technical advisor role, I identified a gap in the organization and, and a need that we had. Um, I wrote up what I thought the need was and how it could be filled and um, kind of built up, you know, mapped out like a plan to get into the role and um, sat down with my uh, my boss at the time and walked through it. And um, we agreed and we made it happen. So I definitely asked for it. Awesome. And then what about mentors? You've mentioned an early mentor that was helpful to you. Do you actively seek out mentors even today? Yeah, and I think there's, I do. And I, I seek out mentors and I seek out folks for different bodies of experience that they've had and things that they can bring forward to um to, uh, you know, at different times, different, depending on what the kind of might be the need in the moment. I'll give one example of, I actually have only talked with her a couple times, but um, the very first time, she's a very insightful person. Um, and the very first time we talked, she said, never be afraid of getting fired. And that's been some of the most amazing mentoring advice that I've had, because when you're not afraid of being fired, you never worry about um, whether you're, you know, never worry about like how you're going to be perceived, whether you're, you know, you don't have to do the, like a deep analysis of like, is this the right thing or not? You just do the right thing and you speak your mind and you do so in a way that's like consistent with, um, your values and your ethics and moving things forward in the right way. And so that just made me a lot bolder and more comfortable being myself. And, um, again, that was just like a, you know, very like somebody I'd only talked with once or twice. So I think you can seek out mentors for all sorts of different things and talk with them as little or as much as, you know, makes sense for you. Last one, three to five years from now, if you're not doing the job you're doing today, what job do you want? 
Uh, if I'm not doing the job I'm doing today, I would like, I think I've kind of thought about two potential paths. One is um, I would love to, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and um, founders of companies. And I think they're an incredible, just kind of general group of people um, putting their faith in solving a problem with, you know, everything they've got. And um, I would love to be an entrepreneur someday as well around some issues that I'm really passionate about. Um, and then the second option is working uh, more in like uh, public service. So uh, kind of going back to my policy and uh, roots um, to some extent. Okay, so we're going to be Madam CEO or Madam Secretary, one or the other I see on the horizon. <laughs> awesome. Sarah, this has been such a great conversation. As we close out here on Inspiring Women, I'd love your last advice for younger listeners as they're starting out in their career journeys. Fear is natural. And just uh, as my old boss would say, put that head trash aside and go for it um, and grab the opportunities if you, you know, if they feel right to you and they're consistent with your, your values and what you want to do. Well, I think you've done a great job putting head trash aside. This has been an excellent, inspiring women conversation. I've been speaking with Sarah Vasey and Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.